living the way. We said that as believers and as King City Church, we feel God is encouraging us to live the way. And, and we said, okay, now to go about doing that, we want to live the way. We want to do what Jesus has called us to be and to live the way that he wants us to live. We've got to first of all look at what it means to be with Jesus. What it means to cultivate a relationship with him and to make time for him and to enjoy him. And, and as we started this journey, we stumbled into 2 Kings chapter 4. Where I don't know how many of you have been able to follow us. I hope that you have. But we've, we've stumbled into this room where we started speaking about these items in the room. And hence, these items. The bed over here that, that we've spoken about. It talks about a rest that God has for us. Then it's a rest that that is available for His people. And it's a rest that's not accomplished through our effort. It's a rest that's accomplished through what He has done on the cross. Then secondly, we came to this, this chair, or a chair, and we spoke about what it may indicate. And, and we just felt that it speaks about this invitation that God has offered and extended towards us, saying, come and be with me. Come and sit. There's a place that I have allocated for you to come in your relationship with me. It's not a place on a Sunday like you would have a spot here this morning. And it's quite interesting to see how people still are creatures of habit. Hey, Even though we scattered the chairs, you still go around to your area that you always used to sit. Amazing, eh? <laughs> kind of very interesting. But anyway, so we, we, we recognize that Jesus calls us. And, and in our preach during that time, we spoke about him calling us to know him and, and to grasp that and, and, and grow in that and also to follow him and what that means. And, and there's more that we can talk about. And, and our next step in this journey through this room, we've got the bed, we've got the chair, we've got the table. And this is where we want to park at and just pause it a little bit this morning. And the next one will be the lampstand that was found in, in 2 Kings chapter 4, where this lady had offered these elements for... Um, for Elisha to enjoy. Now, when we come to a table, you've got to recognize, and this is not the table that Elisha used, okay? Just want to come, come, you know, confirm that with me. We didn't import this from, from Israel, and it's just a, a table. But, but what we're trying to illustrate is that this is not a desk. It's a table. The reason I want to reiterate that and focus on it is that when we are offered this opportunity to have a table, it is not a desk where we come and function from. It is a table where we come and enjoy intimacy and fellowship from. There's a huge difference between a table and a desk. And it's not just the spelling. It's the purpose that you have it for. Every time I want to touch my face, I'm going to go through this visor. Anyway, um, is that, Hence us not touching our faces, hey, Samin. Um, so the point is that a table is a place where, where, where we invite people to. When you, sit, when you say, and, and, and wives that often do that, mothers of homes, they say, come and sit at the table. It's not come and sit and come and do your homework. It's come and sit and eat. Come and have a meal. Come and have fellowship. And I hope you still do that, by the way, if you have a meal. It's one of the greatest moments of intimacy that you can have with people is around a table. And unfortunately, these days, we, we miss out on table fellowship too much because we have fellowship around a television or we have fellowship around whatever else, but not around eating together. And, and Jesus taught us much on that by just simply doing it. And so this morning, 
we, we want to tackle this thing of being with Jesus, looking at the table and seeing how important this is. It's a place of fellowship and communion. By implication, it means already a meal. And a meal, by the way, is not supposed to be this formal occasion. I know that you get invited to meals where it is formal and, and it's like a banquet thing and you, know, you sit according to rank and all those things. But, but essentially, a meal is a time of informality, of being able to socialize with people. I wanted to ask you to turn up, take up your Bibles and, and turn with me to the book of Exodus. We're going to start in the beginning. Um, not quite the beginning, but, but very early into the beginning. And I can still see through these, these plastic obstructions in front of me. But in Exodus chapter 25 to 26, we see that, that um, the, the people of God are instructed to build a place for God called a tabernacle. How many of you have heard of a tabernacle before? Anyone? Just for the camera's sake, there are people here. Um, I'm not speaking just to anybody. I'm talking to people. Um, so I can see some hands. <laughs> so yeah, thank you very much over there, Neil. A tabernacle was initially built by Moses and the Israelites to, to signify or to illustrate the presence of God. Later on, the tabernacle became? Anyone? Sorry? Temple. Temple. Thank you. See, again, there's interaction here. <laughs> there are people. Um, so the temple was, was the thing that came after the tabernacle because the tabernacle was a tent, really, that was set up and could be moved. The temple became a set construction that they didn't move around. And so God instructed Moses to build this temple so that, or this tabernacle so that it could signify him being amongst his people. And in chapter 25 and 26, we read much about that. But then there's this very interesting thing. As the details are given of this tabernacle, their various rooms and, and things that the, he had to build, it says here in verse two, uh, chapter 25 and verse 8, it says, And let them, God instructing, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and of all its furniture, so shall you, you shall make it according to that. So God was saying, I want you to build this because I want to dwell with my people. Then we take it further and we look at something specific and that's where the table now comes in. Chapter 25, verse 23, and it says, You shall make a table of acacia wood. Say with me, table. Say it loud enough that the camera can hear. That's good, that's good, I love it. <laughs> this time it's better than an empty audience. I love it, Jeez, you guys are amazing. It makes you come alive. So it says that you need to make a table and it gives you all the details of it. And then in verse 30, it says this, And you shall set the bread of the presence on the table before me regularly. My Bible has the presence, the word presence with capital P. So it talks about God's presence. So the bread on this table that, that was supposed to be built for the tabernacle would illustrate something of God's presence amongst them. And bread was used to do that. And we know that later on, Jesus would, would, would also be referring to himself as the bread of life. Now on this table, they had 12 loaves of bread that was put out. That every week that needed to be freshly baked and freshly put out of unleavened bread. And these 12 loaves would indicate or illustrate the 12 tribes of Israel. And God was saying, I'm amongst my people. The 12 tribes of Israel, you put them out here in my, in my place where I'm supposed to 
to kind of speak to you from the tabernacle, and I'm amongst my people. So on this table, I have food out. Because a table is not a place of function. A table is a place of fellowship. And so when, when Elisha was given a bed, a chair, and a table, it was firstly, I believe, put out there so that he could have a place where he could just fellowship with God. And just that already prefigures something that will come later. So we find it already that, that even the bread was symbolic of the bread of life that Jesus would come to us and for us. And it speaks of fellowship and communion. Now we're going to jump right to almost the end of the Bible. To a book called Hebrews. And I want you to go to chapter 10 in, in this book or this letter to, to the Hebrews. And we're going to find an incredible um, analogy coming from this table or this link to what we have today so that we can understand the beauty of a table and what God wants us to understand from it. So Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to read to you from verse 8, okay? All right, so it says here, this is the author saying, when he said above, um, you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the Lord. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. That's the first covenant to do away with it to, so that the second can come. And verse 10 says, and by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We know that it compares. The old covenant, there were sacrifices and offerings necessary. We're now into a new covenant where there's a new um, offering that has been given. And verse 11, listen to this. And every priest, so we go back quickly just to, this, to the tabernacle and to the temple. On the table, the bread. And that these offerings were needed to be done for that time. Because nobody could be forgiven. But they could actually have some sort of a forgiveness received through what the offerings indicated. And so when we read here, and every priest stands daily at his service. Offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Incredible. The same sacrifices here would include the bread on the table. What, they, what we read about in Exodus 25. That needed to be weekly put out as an offering and symbol. The interesting thing is here, that although the bread was on a table, pointing to the heavenly bread, which is Jesus, the priest could never be seated at that table or anywhere else in the tabernacle. There were no chairs in the tabernacle. There was a table that spoke about intimacy and fellowship. But there's no chair to come and sit at the table. They were not needed at that time in the tabernacle or in the temple. Because the priests were always standing and always sacrificing. They were always busy making sure that everything is right. And if you just read, I'll give you a couple of um, just illustrations of what they had to do in this tabernacle or in the temple. They were just so busy. There was no provision for rest in this pattern of worship in the Old Testament. And no suggestion that their task was ever completed. Standing is a picture of the priest's work as never finished, never done, 
never completed, always busy. And around this table in the Old Covenant were people who stood around and tried to make amends for what had gone wrong because you believed that people messed up. And so the priest was constantly busy. They had to weekly bring in the fresh bread, as I mentioned, stand around and perform all the necessary rituals. It's a pious task that never finished. Other sacrifices that they had to do, besides this one. Every morning and every evening, a male lamb of one year old, without spot or blemish, was offered as a burnt offering. A meat offering, half in the morning and other half in the evening. There was also a drink offering, wine was given. An offering of incense before the meat offerings in the morning and after them in the evening. It was this priestly tread of them, the, the treadmill kind of experience. They're just running up and down the whole day, doing stuff, going from here, going to there, doing this, doing that. There's not a chair. There's, nothing, there's no place to rest because this work just keeps on happening. And it says here in Hebrews 10, repeatedly the same sacrifice was happening. John Piper, well-known author, reads the following. He says the following. It says, the point is clear. The prescribed repetition of sacrifices for sin in the Old Testament law was a built-in testimony to their inadequacy. They did not perfect the people. They did not deal with sin decisively, finally or once and for all. That was just repeated. So we're around this table. We're just constantly busy, 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 busy. Praise the Lord, it doesn't stop there. Hey, because there's a verse 11 and a verse 12. And listen to this, or a verse 12 rather. We come to the end of verse 11, it says it can never take away sin. And then there's this favorite word of mine in the Bible. One of the most amazing words that I love reading in the Bible. It's a B-U-T with a one T. It says, but when Christ. But, I love buts in the Bible. Because it always comes after something that man could never do and complete and fulfill and, and perfect. And then the word says, but, but, in spite of, regardless, there's something that God does. It says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, see what he did. He sat down at the right hand of God is waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. I love this. It says the implication of what Christ offered is very clear here. He came to do what the sacrifices of the old covenant could never do, could never accomplish. Jesus comes and in one moment perfects all that in the past could never be done. And then he sits down. And he brings us into a new dispensation around the table. That around the table where there was this busyness, trying to make amends for what we had done wrong and for what we could try to do to bring us closer to God. Jesus comes in one moment. One moment, he perfects what sacrifices could never do. Millions of sacrifices, I believe, because it was happening every day. And in one moment, he does what needed to be done, and he sits down. 
And he invites us literally to the table to come and sit down with him. And so when we think about the table today, we think about this incredible moment and relationship that we can have with God. Not trying to do all the things and, and counting the loaves and making sure that we've got everything in place. And is the bread fresh? And, and have we done this? And have we made amends for that? We come and see there's an invitation to come and dine with him. And that's the title of this morning's message. If I haven't started off with that yet. It says come and dine. Because that's what the table illustrates. It says come and be with him. It is crucial that we see the importance of him sitting down. Because Jesus sat down after he had completed. See the, see the contrast between verse 11 where it says, And the priest stands daily. They stand daily around the table. And then in verse 12 it says, And Christ done what he needed to do. He sat down. The contrast. Standing up busy. Sitting down. Enjoying. No longer is there a standing around the table necessary. There's now a sitting because the job has been done. And some weeks ago we spoke about tetelestai, which meant it is finished. What needed to be done is done. So this is a tetelestai table where you and I don't have to rush around and trying to earn God's favor and trying to please Him through our efforts. Father has already been pleased through what Jesus did. We walk in line with that when we accept the fullness of what Christ has done. Question I want to ask you, are you standing around the table currently in your life or are you seated at the table? Are you standing around? There's some beautiful stories in the Old Testament that I want to just give to you. And I'm not going to take the time to read them all. But in 2 Samuel chapter 9, there's this incredible moment where, where David, King David, says, there's anybody from the household of Saul. Saul was this guy that wanted to kill me, but I want to bring something of a blessing to his household. Are there any of his relatives left that I want to, because I want to bless them? And, and they try to find out who they may be, and they come up with this guy that's still left. It's the, it's the grandson of Saul. It's the son of Jonathan, Saul's son. So the grandson's called Mephibosheth. Say that with me. Mephibosheth. Um, if you spell it correctly, within the next five seconds, you can have another bulldog. Okay, now, Mephibosheth was found, and he's lame in both his legs. And, and he's found to be still alive. And David says, bring him, because I want him. And that's the conclusion of the story, really, is that David invites him to come and sit at the king's table for the rest of his life. Which really means this. Is that not you're going to sit there and like, okay, I wake up and the, and the king said I must come and sit at his table. I'm like, okay, what can I do? No, it really means that whatever is of disposal and available for the king is available for this, this man. And so he comes and he enjoys the lavishness that the king can enjoy is also available for him. Which is a prefiguration of what Christ did as the ultimate king for you and me. None of us deserve to be at the king's table. Mephibosheth did not deserve because his, his grandfather tried to kill the king. But because of the favor of God, which is an illustration of God's grace, David calls him and says, I want you. And he orders it. He says, from now on, Mephibosheth will sit at my table. You can read 2 Kings or 2 Samuel chapter 9. 
Then we read in Psalm 23, this well-known portion where, where we, David is expressing his incredible love for God. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then he makes this statement. He says, I will, because God prepares something for me. He says, I will sit at the table in the presence of my enemy because God has prepared this for me. So we start seeing a different picture of the busy table of the tabernacle where people are not, sand, not sitting, not seated. They're standing and they're busy. And we see how David starts kind of in, introducing to us a different kind of lifestyle with God. Where it's not try to be busy. It says, come and sit. And he says, God prepares this table for me. Even in the presence of my enemies, I can come. And sit at the table and I can enjoy my God instead of being busy. God, did you not see that the enemies are around? I can't sit still now, God. I've got to. God says, just I prepared it for you, knowing that the enemies will be there. And I prepared it for you and me because a king's table is a table of communion, of intimacy, of fellowship, of bounty, of provision. Of care. That's what God has. We see also in Psalm 78, verse 19. I've got to read this to you. It's like people are saying, Is this ever possible for God to do the following? Psalm 78, verse 19. It says, They spoke against God. These are people that obviously are not in favor of God and how He works. It says, They spoke against God, saying the following. Can God spread a table in the wilderness? Can God provide? Can God give us this intimacy in the midst of wilderness? And how many of us are facing a wilderness at the moment in our lives? Isn't it? We're like, God, I don't know. And, and, and maybe we're just running around and we're trying to get some understanding of what God's doing. God's saying, I've got a, I've got a table for you spread out in the midst of a wilderness moment in your life. Won't you just come and sit I don't want you to come and stand and be busy. I want you to come and sit. And so may I just throw out some suggestions here in closing. How does standing around the table possibly look like? And this is not, you know, the law or something. It's just trying to help us understand that there's a place where we need to come to in our walk with God and it's a regular time and it's a regular moment because we're talking about being with Jesus where we stop being so occupied with the stuff that we need to do. And standing around the table could look like running around, ignoring an invitation, postponing it, delaying it, rejecting it. And that invitation is what we spoke about earlier on, the chair end of pace. That Jesus says, come, come. Running around the table could actually mean that I'm just ignoring. I'm actually rejecting. I was surprised initially when we started going into this lockdown, how many people said, yeah, we, life's closing down, slowing down, and it's so good, and I'm able to and, uh, get more time with God, and, and, and it lasted like two, three weeks, and we just flicked back into the old I don't know about you, but I've heard many people say that to me. We, it was great initially. And it's kind of like a little bit of a holiday. And like, no, 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 you can't stay here. We've got to get back to running around the table again. 
Gotta get busy. Gotta get all the stuff done. And then like, and I've heard people say this. I've become so busy again that I'm, I'm not sitting. I just actually have lost what I, what I thought I started with again in, in like the middle of, of beginning of April. I, I'm just kind of like now it's middle of June and now I'm just back to where I was in March. And I'm not condemning anybody. I'm just saying that we, our, our default is running around, people. It takes, it takes discipline to come and just sit. And Jesus said, I've sat down. I've done what needed to be done. Why are you running around? As though you're going to try to improve things. But you come and sit with me. Come and sit with me at the table where there's provision, where there's intimacy, where there's fellowship. Running around is worried and trying to do something to make it go away. Trying to do it my way. That's what running around could be. Not believing that God is in control. Always thinking that there's more to be done. Sitting is too passive. Come on. Jesus spoke right into that when he spoke to Mary and Martha, isn't it? When, when Martha was like, oh, doing all sorts of stuff and getting the table ready physically. And Mary was just sitting parking there. And she's like, ah. It's a difference between old and new covenant. Old covenant, we try to work. New covenant, Jesus has done all the work. Where are you living? I want to suggest that sitting at the table could, could look like the following. Sitting down to eat what is in front of you could look like the following To I recognize my need to stop to eat and fill my hunger. I recognize that I'm hungry and I'm hungry for God and I, and I need to stop. And I need to stop regularly. And it's not just once a week on a Sunday and praise the Lord, we can talk about that now because now it's relevant again. But it's not just, hey, I can do it then. It is a regular stop. And folks, I will never make excuses for talking about these things. And I'm not trying to be arrogant in that either. I'm just saying this is the basic. Remember we spoke about the fundamentals of every follower of Christ. The fundamental thing is still to stop and consider Him. The fundamental is still to make time for God so that God can speak, so that God can nourish, so that God can feed, and God can satisfy. I stop to think and ponder. This is what I mean when we talk about sitting. I look at what is on the table. And I, I think that if we, if we really just take the time to look at what God has for us in terms of just the scripture and what Jesus has done for us, it's this lavishness that appears in front of us. You know what often happens? We look at the table and we're like, I don't see nothing. I don't want to come and sit here. There's no food here. But when you start opening up scripture and you start um, just reading through and discovering things, it's the best meal ever. It's, there's nothing like it. But you know what? We are so busy with stuff. So many voices that we don't get to the basics. The basics changes our lives. I contemplate. The action of contemplation means it's an action of looking thoughtfully at something for a long time. So there's a meal for us. A regular meal. That you need to stop to enjoy. And you need to stop through contemplating what is available. I sit down. I write down what I feel he says. So that I can later go read it again. I can ponder again on what I had. What I enjoyed. It nourishes my body and my soul. 
I want to say to you that our time with God at the table determines the quality of our time with people and for people. You and I are called. We say this as, as King City Church. Our, our mission is to know Him and to make Him known. Making Him known is possible only by knowing Him. It comes back to just simple little pictures of you and I sitting at the table and it's a I know it's, it's just speaking about a lifestyle. It's not a physical table. But our lifestyle of sitting around with him and having fellowship with him determines the quality of life you and I would live. We complain about the quality of life there. But we don't often enough bring it back to the quality of time we give for this. Our quality of time with people is determined by the quality of time with God. constantly running around this table we will be constantly running around there too if you're running around there and you want to change that address it here start from the table Elisha's room Jesus is very clear you you can go read through the gospels how many times I've tried it um count how many different times because you know the gospels are virtually many of the stories are repeated so you can't just use the name or the, the word table and see well it appears like 100 times and 100 different times no many of them are obviously repeated same same experiences but they're like 15 to different 20 different times where, where Jesus finds himself around a table with people one of the most significant moments with Jesus before he's killed is his table moment with his disciples Say something. Say something. Somebody once said that you, Jesus was, was so in love with meals and, and eating that you either find him going to a meal or coming from a meal He's, or at a meal time. He's just always engaging people around a table because he wanted to illustrate something to us that life happens around the table. And our table that we have with God is our regular intimate moment that you and I create for that. God doesn't. He invites you, but you've got to create and make time for that. And so I want to finish by just saying, won't you come and dine with him as we look at this table? Won't you just see that the table is not a, a place of functioning, but it's a place of fellowship. It's not a place where you come and just make sure that everything is always ready and, and fresh. Jesus has sorted that out already. He now invites you and me to come and dine with him. And so as we continue just to enjoy what this room talks about, I want to keep on reminding you of the simplicity, but yet the profound importance of making time for God and with God. There's nothing more important than that because our lives resolve around the beauty of this moment. And if you're at this stage in your life and still battling and, and, and it's just not kicking into place, I want to encourage you, I want to pray with you that you will see the value of this and apply the value of it in your life. And no one's going to police you, but you know 
Maybe some of, you, some of you have tasted some of this and maybe you are tasting it. Great. Carry on. Sometimes we taste of it and we, we lose it and we forget about it. And maybe this morning you're just reminded again of how good it is to come and sit at the table. Not stand. Nobody calls you to come and stand around the table. No, I mean, there's a time when you do a finger kind of like lunch and you eat these little things. But there's nothing better than sitting around a table with people, isn't it? Where you just engage and you just love on one another. That's what Jesus calls us to. So I pray that this table will remind you of that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you just this morning for the beauty of this invitation and this reality that we have a table. I pray, God, that you will help us never forget about how important it is to come to you and to be surrounded by your love and your grace and your presence. And help us, Father, to, to respond to the beauty of sitting at the table and being with you. I pray this morning, Father, that where we have perhaps just been missing out so much on making an effort to go to the table, I pray that you will stir our hearts, Lord, not towards a ritual, but towards this call for relationship with you, intimacy with you, and that our hearts will be willing to respond. I pray for your grace, Lord God, upon each one of us. I pray that King City Church will be a people that meet around the table. Meet around the table with you and have fellowship around the table with one another. And God, I, I look forward to just the release of that to take place more and more in this community where we can have more table fellowship with each other. But Father, in the meantime, we can have so much table fellowship with you. I pray that it will be real for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you all. Thanks for coming. Um, we've gone, we started at quarter to 11, 10, or whatever. What it was? We started quarter to nine, rather. It's now almost five to 10. So thank you very much for coming. We've got the next group. They're not too big, so don't feel like you've got to rush out. But bless you. Go and enjoy just the table that God has for you. And uh, all the best for this week, everything that you need to do. Stay healthy, stay strong, trusting the Lord for um, our Sundays to become more and more as what it always was. But in the meantime, keep on being the church out there. Don't worry about just the church gathering. Be the church in whatever context you are in and from. God bless you. Enjoy your day.